This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as a elephant's eye. Hello, everyone, and welcome and to Next Best Theater. I'm your host, like Michael Schwartz, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Dan Bayer. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, y'all. Casey Lee Clark. <laughs> Hello. And Lauren LaMagna. Hello, hello. So, how is everyone? How's your fall going? Are we still at home? Still doing the same old, same old 2020 routine? Same old, same old. Same old Pretty same. much. Same old, same old. I'm, I'm getting a little bit antsy, though, uh, waiting to find out what the deal is with these weird Tony Awards that are coming our way. Yes, and we are going yes. to do an episode on those weird Tony Awards whenever they may be. So, stay tuned, listeners. That is a... You know, great incentive to stick around to hear us talk about all these. It's not really all these. It's these four musicals that are going to be up for consideration. But, you know, it's better than zero, right? Four is better than zero. (laughs) So as we continue to live through these strange times in our new normal, we also cope with the absence of theater, which has been gone for just under seven months now. And as devastating as that is, it has presented us here at Next Best Theater with the opportunity to dive into the past for this particular episode as we discuss revivals, specifically musical theater revivals. And as we've seen uh, throughout history, a good revival can take a well-known text and present it through a fresh and reimagined lens. They can also remind us why we fell in love with the particular show to begin with. A bad revival, on the other hand, often has us running back to the versions that we originally knew and loved. So good or bad revivals really highlight just how vital interpretation is to the success of a combined book and score. Directorial, technical, and acting choices are enough to make all the difference. So on this episode, the Next Best Theater team is going to break down our favorite and not-so-favorite Broadway musical revivals. And for the sake of ease, we are limiting these revivals and this conversation to Broadway and the West End productions only. So with that said, uh, I think we're going to do another round-robin style here where we each name one and talk about it and everyone feel free to jump in because I'm sure there will be some, uh, you know, favorites shared among the rest of us. So Nicole, Nicole Ackman, one of our founding members of Next Best Theater, would you like to get things started with us? Sure. I had a feeling you were going to put me on the spot first. I don't know how I knew. <laughs> well, in that case, I'm going to start with one that I know that uh, we we share, Michael. I was actually texting Michael earlier today trying to make sure that we didn't plan on saying too many of the same ones. Of course, I couldn't do this episode and not talk about the Oklahoma revival. 
I saw the Oklahoma Revival twice. It was directed by Daniel Fish. It started at Bard College way back in uh, 2015 with a workshop, then went to St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn, and then finally to Broadway at the Circle in the Square Theater. Uh, I think that this Oklahoma Revival is honestly like mostly known for the fact that they served chili and cornbread at the intermission, which was the best decision ever ever Not made like to be known for <laughs> i i don't know what it is but if a musical gives me food for free i'm looking at you great comment i'm looking at you oklahoma i will dedicate myself to it in every way um this production took a show that i was obsessed with as a child and then as i got older had come to actually hate and made it into something that i loved I think it completely reinvented Oklahoma. It really teased out things in the text that a lot of productions ignore. And it really kind of turned it on its head. Obviously, it also did that in terms of orchestrations and staging. And it, you know, took it out of sort of its, um, the typical period costuming that you see it in. And it felt very fresh and modern and uh, almost experimental with some of the things that they did, especially in terms of technology. Um, it also won the Best Featured Actress in a Musical for Ali uh, Stroker, which made her the first wheelchair user to ever win a Tony Award. So that's another cool first for this revival. But I literally can't say enough good things about Oklahoma. And I think that it's really proof that you can take a show that feels super outdated, super stuck in the past, and make it have really poignant things to say about the modern world. I think that shows one of the prime examples of why revivals are important and why I think we admire them so much. And that's like exactly what you should do with a revival of yes. a well-known show. Agreed 110%. I think it's also proof that you can take an older show and make it have things to say, make it feel fresh, make it feel up to date. Because with this production of Oklahoma, you could have told me that it was not a revival, that it was a new show, and I would have bought that completely. Whereas I feel like often shows like Oklahoma get revived, and it's like, oh, well, it was good, but it's very clearly, like, from another time. Yeah, this was... Yeah, I'm looking at you, Carousel, truly. (laughs) (laughs) This was the Rodgers and Hammerstein revival that when I first heard it was this untraditional, reimagined, almost hipster-style Oklahoma. I'm like, no, thank you. You could stay over in Brooklyn, Oklahoma. I'm not coming to see you on Broadway. No, thanks. And Nicole went went to see it sometime last year, I believe, and was telling me, oh, no, this is great. You have to see it. You have to see it. I'm like, I do not want reimagined Redone Oklahoma. I want my Jerry Zach's Hello, Dolly. I want, you know, pure nostalgia. And she, you know, to her credit, persuaded me, no, you got to see this. You got to see what's going on here. I'm like, okay, well, you know, there is chili and cornbread involved, so it's not a total loss. Let's see what's going on at this revival. And it was pretty magnificent. Chilling. Was not something that you normally associate with Oklahoma, but this uh, Daniel Fish production certainly gave it a new interpretation based on uh, how Judd Fry was framed. Uh, you see other characters as the villain, not so much. Uh, he's almost the victim in a way here, but what how it presents these characters and it, everyone is guilty of something. And I don't think you would ever say that watching the film from the 1950s, the Fred Zinnemann film. And it just goes to show that you could have the same songs and the same book, but it totally turns the concept of Oklahoma on its head. Yeah, um, unfortunately, I I missed it when it was 
on Broadway and I will forever hate myself Despite for that. me constantly prodding him to go. I'd like to say that. <laughs> it was an issue of timing and like not winning the lottery. <laughs> we did try. We um, tried multiple times to win the lottery. <laughs> I, tried, I tried so many times, but didn't. But it um, having heard in great detail from people who did see it about what they did, it, it strikes me because Oklahoma is a show that I have never much liked. Um, I've always had issues with, um, with the central love triangle between Lori and Curly and Judd. And I remember seeing it as the first time as a kid and not, I don't think I fully understood the show the first time I saw it. I would think it was too young to really get what was happening. And then I remember seeing it again and going like, no, I just don't like it. it neither, like the way both of them treat Lori is just wrong abhorrent yeah and the way that they treat each other yeah is pretty it's it's the definition of like a problematic musical and like basically like (laughs) judd is the like villain because everybody just doesn't like him because curly's better looking like i don't know (laughs) it's not really and yeah so it it's not but this revival feels from what everything that I've heard feels like it like fixes the book problems <laughs> and not by changing the book, but by sort of embracing it, I guess, which is, you know, interesting. And I, I love it when revivals can do that. Anything else on Oklahoma? Uh, or have we listened to the cast album if we haven't seen it? I just mm-hmm. wish yeah. I've seen it. It was just one of those things that I just couldn't get to because money and life. Mm. But up. <laughs> yeah, I just wish I saw it. Same here, but the cast album is great. Yeah, I was just going to say, listen to the cast album. Oh. The cast album is magical, and all of you who you know are listening, who listen to the cast album, I want for you to all to know that the second time I saw it, I sat in the front row. Um, not at the tables, but, like, the actual front row of the theater. And uh, Damon sang, like, a solid, like, half a verse to a verse of Oh, What a Beautiful Morning while standing in front of me and maintaining eye contact. And it's probably in the top five moments of my whole life. Um, (laughs) So just if you're listening to it, think about that happening to you and applaud me for the fact that I didn't melt into the floor. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, certainly an experience, whether, you know, you're sitting in... The front row or the very last row, it's such a small theater that even someone like me who was somewhere in the middle there, I felt like I couldn't look anywhere else because I felt like the characters and actors were going to be judging me. And (laughs) when the lights say on the whole time, like you are as much a part of that show as anyone on the stage. So it's really a unique, immersive, interaction experience. So it is a great, great choice, Nicole. And I wholeheartedly stand by it. I had a 180 there and I'm glad you convinced me to finally go see it before they closed. So very good. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. 
You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Dan, would you like to continue with your choice? I would very much like to continue with my first choice because it follows very closely from Nicole um, because, as Nicole said, um, Holly Stroker in that revival of Oklahoma was the first wheelchair user to win a Tony. Um, And my choice for one of my favorite revivals, probably my favorite revival ever, um, is the 20... 15, 16, uh, Deaf West theater revival of Spring Awakening, which featured, which featured Ollie Stroker in the first, she was the first Broadway performer to ever use a wheelchair in this production. And I'll say this, one of my favorite things about revivals is how they can completely recontextualize a show from the way it was as written. And I don't think I've seen a revival that does a better job of that than the Deaf West revival of Spring Awakening did. Um, I am admittedly not a huge fan of Spring Awakening um, in its original Broadway run and in uh, various community theater productions of it that I've seen over the years. But this revival, oh my God. Um, the, I mean, first of all, really well-designed, incredibly well-cast, um, and double-cast. They, they used um, uh, deaf actors, and the deaf actors in the lead singing roles were shadowed by other uh, performers who had who had instruments and sang for them and um, they incorporated uh, period appropriate aspects of deaf education and oralism how they were how people at that time were taught how to speak without being able to hear and it completely, brought out the themes of the show in a revelatory way and it worked so much better than it did in the original production that I feel like any future production of this just like has to use this as a basis now because it is far and away the best possible version of Spring Awakening that can ever be. Yeah, that that's great. I didn't get a chance to see it, and I don't. I don't think that there's, uh, you know, any sort of video footage outside of the Tonys, and there's not an album with that one. So, uh, I know it like kills me every day that they didn't have a cast recording for this because it was yeah. so. And really, guys, when I tell you, like, this production gave us Oscar winner Marley Matlin playing an electric guitar, and it was everything I ever wanted. <laughs> Look at that. So, and it was nominated. It, it didn't win. That was the year of Color Purple, right? For a musical revival at the Tonys. Which I also like talk about a production that like saved a not very good show. Yeah, um, absolutely. Really John Doyle, that. you know, certainly knows his way but, around uh, reframing things. Yeah, but if if I was voting, 
that year, I, I definitely would have voted for Spring Awakening. The color purple was was great, but it was mostly most of its greatness can honestly be attributed just in the Arrivo, who just like you know, like, <laughs> you're not worthy, all that. But the the Spring Awakening, like that, to me is like the the best type of revival. Excellent. So. Spring Awakening, uh, Oklahoma. We have an Alley Stroker trend. Casey, are you going to carry that on for us? I don't, I don't think, think I will, but <laughs> I appreciate it. I respect it. I'm here for it. Um, my first choice was one that I think another big thing with revivals is, is trying to live up to the original and live up to shows that are so well known. And the one that I chose had a famous Broadway run and then a very famous and successful film. And I think took pieces of both of those and then created something wholly new and of its own. And that's Sam Mendes's cabaret with the wonderful Alan Cumming oh, and the late yes. Natasha Richardson. I saw the version at Studio 54 with Michelle Williams and Danny Burstein and Alan Cumming. And I think just taking, combining the original production with the film, with a little bit of that Fosse ideology and making it more darker and gritty and especially with taking the MC character of Joel Gray's iconic version of it. And then Alan Cummings very different and also iconic version of it. I think just looking at the um, portrayals of that character by the two of them alone, I think kind of shows like what you can do with a revival and what, how you can take a character that you think is so well-known and synonymous with one person and make it completely different and a part of that person as well. And I think that that can show how both, different productions of that sort can be, I don't know, one in the same, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I just, I fell in love with this production when I saw it. And I think it's just one of those that it's like, well, duh, Cabaret, <laughs> but it's so good. You know, when I was making my own list, which we'll get to in a few minutes, I decided to make a long list because I knew people would start taking uh, some of the really <laughs> top tier ones. And to me, Cabaret is certainly a top tier one. I saw that same 2014 revival of the revival that you saw and by that point Natasha Richardson uh, gone way too soon but it was uh Michelle Williams when I saw it but Alan Cumming was reviving uh, his Tony winning performance as MC of course and seeing him nearly 20 years later and have that role again it was like no time had passed he was as committed to that character as any actor that I've ever seen and just the energy of that whole production. Like sometimes you'll see revivals that are stripped down. This is very much that cabaret from the nineties, as far as I understand it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't get uh, Ron Rifkin or Mary Louise Wilson, but Danny Burstyn and Linda Emond, let me tell you, they are magnificent, absolutely magnificent. They were the Tony nominees that year. And honestly probably should have won because that song, what would you do? Which is not in the movie. The movie is very different than the show. But when Linda Iman or Mary Louise Wilson or uh, Lada Lenya perform that, I don't care who it is, it sends a chill down your spine. And that's the whole purpose of this production is cabaret to remind you of how chilling it is outside of that Kit Kat club. And Mendes and Rob Marshall's choreographer truly, truly captured something magnificent with that. So I love that you picked a Casey. It's one of the Broadway masterpieces. 
Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt, but this is our preview of episode 34 of the Next Best Theater podcast where the team talks about their favorite musical revivals. In order to get the full-length episode, you will have to head on over to our Patreon page for Next Best Picture, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get the rest of this episode and other exclusive podcast content from nextbestpicture.com. You have been listening to the Next Best Theater podcast, part of the Next Best Picture podcast umbrella part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.